Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Picture Rewind, the special series here on Oscar Central in which Lex and I are discussing previous Best Picture winners during the Oscars offseason. Today we are discussing another recent winner, Coda. So how are you doing, Lex? Doing fantastic. Um, excited to talk about a Best Picture winner that's not Crash. <laughs> um, that we never have to talk about Crash again. Yeah, I am really excited to talk about this movie. Um, I don't know about you, but like I had not watched it again since it had one Best Picture. Yeah, last and... it would have been like right before the 2022 Oscars. Right. So it was kind of nice to get to like reflect back on it after, you know, n- getting to like not talk about it for a year. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that this is also a movie that has like a really interesting trajectory towards Best Picture and, and you know, is, is interesting in many ways. And like you said, isn't Crash. So <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about it. But for anyone who somehow doesn't know, um, Coda is the 2021 coming of age drama written and directed by Sean. Is it Header? I think Um it is actually an English remake of a 2014 French Belgian film, which is called La Famille Bellier. Um, and it is about a child of deaf adults, or CODA, uh, who is pursuing her dreams of being a singer while also trying to help her family's fishing business. It stars Amelia Jones, Troy Kotzer, Marley Maitland, Daniel Durant, uh, Ferdia Walsh-Pilo, and Eugenio Derbez. It premiered at Sundance in January of 2021, and then Apple acquired it, and it didn't actually come out on Apple TV and in theaters until August of 2021. And it received largely positive reviews. Um, I kind of until it became a best picture contender. Um, and then people decided that they didn't like it anymore. Um, but I'm not going to go too into that yet. Um, but yeah, Lex, like what? I feel like with this one, because we've both seen it before, sort of what were your like initial impressions when you watched it? the first time versus like how you know what do you think of it now I think some of I had had not even heard of this movie really until it got nominated for an Oscar um and so I watched it I want to say like in the winter of 2022 like right after the nominations and I mean I really liked it I did see all but one of the best picture nominations last year um and I gotta say, like, it really was my favorite of the nominations. Like, I know there was a whole debate over this versus Power of the Dog, and I did really like Power of the Dog. Um, But, I mean, I think the thing about this movie is now kind of a year later and just kind of reflecting on it, I think it gives off the epitome of that meme that's like, hey, that's my mom's favorite. Where, like, this is (laughs) is your mom's favorite Best Picture winner, right? Like, it's... and. That actually, you know what? It's actually funny because um, my mom, this was my mom's favorite Best Picture winner until (laughs) she saw Everything Everywhere All at Once. And now she will not stop talking about Everything Everywhere All at Once. So we've covered my mom's two favorite Best Picture winners um, on this show, which is fantastic. I love that. Um, I love that. But yeah, I mean, I think like, I don't know. I'm a fan and I'm sure we'll get into, or I know we'll get into kind of its Best Picture winner worthiness (laughs) in a bit. But, like, kind of, like, as a kind of, I guess, general statement, like, if there's something I appreciate about it is that it's not anything to write home about. It's not got crazy effects. It's not got, you know, uh, CGI. It's not 
the story is not complicated to follow, but it is a simple story. And mm-hmm. I do love when a movie is just a simple story that's told well. And I think this movie is that. Um, so, I mean, we'll get into the best picture worthiness, but like on whole, I do, I really do like this movie. Um, Troy Kutzer is one of my favorite Oscar wins. I was Same. so, so, so thrilled when he won um, as well. He should have. And I think it's wonderful that, they had um, deaf actors play the deaf characters because I know a lot of times movies will cast, you know, actors that don't of like certain ability to play actors with a particular disability. And I always come into film that stays true to casting actors to portray um, characters with that particular disability. Um, but yeah, on whole, I thought it was really sweet. Um, it's just, I get so mad at her parents though, of like, same. (laughs) Um, and my mom got really mad at her parents too. Um, of just like, it shouldn't be on this poor kid to, I I get, there's a lot of things that are complicated and I get there are things I can't relate to, but like, it should not be on this poor girl to be responsible for her entire family. Um, but the scene where she holds her dad's, um, do you know what's funny is the scene the scene where she holds her dad's hands to her throat and she sings. Oh my god. Makes me cry every time. Every time. My parents were like, why didn't she why didn't she just do the, the lyrics in sign language? <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not the point. That's not yep. the point she's yep. trying to make. But yeah, no, I thought it's I thought yeah. it's, it's really heartwarming and I, I generally just really do like this movie. Yeah. I really liked it. I remember watching it like whenever it came out in August on Apple TV because I had heard people who had seen it like at Sundance who had really liked it. Um, And I think that like I am someone who I love a good coming of age movie. Um, I love a family drama. I also really like some of the actors in this movie like I love Marley Maitland I I love love Daniel Durant I love Ferdio like I'm a huge Sing Street fan um so it's very exciting to like see him again um but yeah so I like really liked it whenever I first watched it and it's one of those movies that I told my parents to watch I was like you will love this movie and I like that it is a film that I feel like can connect with a lot of people from like differing backgrounds and stuff like I know that um I feel like a lot of only or oldest daughters can connect to what Ruby is going through in the film I also have seen people talking about who people who are like um the children of immigrants can connect to it because of that thing of like having to be sort of the go-between where there's a a sort of language barrier for your parents and, and people in the place that you're living um and I also like like the way that it represents the fact that you know this is a family who is struggling financially but it's not sort of I feel like some movies about people who are struggling financially like revel in it a little bit too much and in it being like gritty and everything Mm -hmm. and like hillbilly elegy here's looking at you um and I think that this film does like a good job of showing that like that is a concern for this family and that is something that is also pressing on Ruby as a character but it's not like making too much out of it if that makes sense yeah um it doesn't seem like the film finds any like joy in in their financial hardships um I think that this is a movie that also like really made me think about something that I really had never considered before like I'd never really thought about what it would mean to be a child of deaf parents and Mm -hmm. 
um, I really like as well the way that it portrays the relationship between Ruby and her brother because she is hearing and he is not. And the ways in which he sort of, you know, he is in the family, the one person to stand up for her and to say, like, she shouldn't have to do all of this. But it's also partially because there is this bit of him being like, I'm the older brother. Why won't you let me try to do anything for us? And I think that that feels very, like, authentic. Um, And like you said, I love the fact that they actually cast deaf actors in this. I love that this movie brought a lot of attention to American Sign Language. Um, I feel like in a way that sort of hadn't been in in a while and you know if you look at like this versus like children of a lesser god um which is a previous i think i I think it was best picture nominee um but it's what like marley had won her oscar for and that movie the way that it presents um deaf people is i think incredibly offensive um and i know that there were some people who like you know in the deaf community who like had some issues with coda but it was not anything on the scale of something like children of a lesser god where it's like offensive from start to finish um i also frankly love the music in this movie like i love um all the bits of amelia jones singing i think that this is like such a great you know big first performance for her i'm really excited to see i know she has another film coming out this year that was at sundance i'm really excited to see sort of what she does next i'd love to see her in like a proper movie musical um so yeah i i do think that like it wasn't one of my favorite movies of the year just because there were other things that i liked more it's like my third favorite of the best picture nominees um because i liked dune and belfast better than coda um and and i like i understand some of the criticisms around it of it feeling like a streaming movie mm-hmm. um you know and i i know it also has gotten comparisons to like Hallmark films and stuff like that and I'm like listen it's it's better it's made. not a Hallmark film it's like come it's now like I can get the streaming part but it's not a Hallmark film it does and I I get that like you could make an argument to me that it feels like some Netflix movies sure um like I definitely I feel the similarities between something like this and like a to all the boys I've loved before or something like that in sure. terms of like it is a coming of age movie and I think that it is this thing where it is the sort of film that we often, like, I think, put down movies that aren't, like, dark enough or they're not um, flashy edgy. enough. Yeah, they're not edgy enough. And I like seeing a movie like this that's more simple. Yeah. Um, win best picture and have this trajectory towards it and i think that in some ways to me like looking through all the best picture winners this feels more like a winner from like the 1960s or 1950s or even like the 40s um where you saw more just like family drama family geared films winning best picture um and and since then i feel like it's become more rare for that to happen um, I also love that we got two years back to back where female directed films won Best Picture with yeah. Nomadland and then this. Um, and I love, I feel like that's something that sort of got overlooked in the conversation around Coda because everyone was so focused on Jane Campion and Power of the Dog. But like, this is also a female written and directed film. Yeah. Um, and I really did love like going into um the Oscars that year knowing that like 
I, I feel like we we all sort of assumed that like best adapted screenplay was either going to Coda or Power of the Dog and being able to be like, and it's the same thing with this past year where like All Quiet on the Western Front had a female writer um, and Women Talking had a female writer. So it was like, no matter what happens here, we are most likely getting a woman screenwriter winner, which I think is so exciting. Right. Um, but yeah, I really like Coda. I... In terms of like this Oscar season, it was interesting because Coda nominate was nominated for and won Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actor for Troy Kotzer, which, like you said earlier, is a fantastic win. I love that man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, and I don't know the stats on this, but I feel like it does definitely feels kind of crazy for the fact that it was like nominated for three, won all three, including Best Picture. Um you know, compared to things that we've talked about thus far on this, like Crash and Everything Everywhere All at Once, they both won several awards, but they also were nominated for, like, more awards. Mm-hmm. You know, even Crash was nominated for, what was it, six? Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, you, mm, but this is also the first streaming service film to ever win Best Picture, which is, you know, it's kind of funny because, like, so much of the narrative in this year was about Power of the Dog and Netflix trying to push it and Netflix trying to trying to get a streaming film to win. And then it went to like this Apple film that nobody saw coming, kind of. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of people had expected Power of the Dog to win Best Picture. Um, a lot of or like early on, because I feel like there's always that like very early front runner that often like then completely drops out. Like this past year it was the Fablemans, where like when it was announced, everyone was like and first came out, people were like, Oh, the Fablemans, the Fablemans. And then it was like, Yeah, that's not going to win best picture. Or a single Oscar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and Belfast was definitely that for for the year that Coda won because like whenever it first premiered, it had like great reviews and people loved it. And um you know, there was that whole argument of, like, is Power of the Dog too cold? Like, is it too um, complicated? Like, because a lot of that movie, you do have to, like, really be paying attention to things. Is it too long? Like, um, and then Coda kind of, like, snuck up out of nowhere and, and ended up taking it, which was, I thought, very fun to see. That Oscars was also interesting because um, I feel like, now and forevermore, maybe. Um, it's very associated with the slap incident. Yeah. Um, that Oscars on whole was just so weird. Wild. Yeah. Like, yeah. It also is an Oscars in which like Eyes of Tammy Faye won two awards, Coda won three, and Dune won six. So it's an interesting like Oscars to look back on because it is one of those ones where you have like a big technical player film that takes like all of the below the line awards. <laughs> right um and then so i think that is part of what left best picture open to something like coda winning because i think that like if dune had not been there i think you can make an argument that coda might not have won best picture because people would have been considering things like power of the dog and belfast and these other nominees everywhere below the line as well and i think that that's like part of how coda sort of like rose above um, is that people didn't want to vote for Doom for Best Picture, but they were already voting for it in so many other places. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I... I mean, what do you think about its nominations? Like, would you have nominated it for more? Or are there any of its nominations that you would take away? 
Um, there definitely this- aren't any um, nominations I would take away. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I think especially, because you're right, like, I forgot Belfast was that season, and I did um, love Belfast. But, mm-hmm. I mean, and I also liked Power of the Dog. Do you know what I remember? Like, I did watch everything but Drive My Car, so can't yeah. speak to Drive My Car. But compared to, like, licorice pizza (laughs) (laughs) this movie like that's what started my um that's what started my beef with alana heim yes Um, (laughs) i do love heim the band so that's always fun um but um comparatively like no i don't think it necessarily deserved any um any uh ones to be taken away like i'm not mad about it when it adapted screenplay i again supporting actor i um fully support and like i'm not mad i'm not mad at it winning best picture because again like i i really appreciate like a nod to simplicity but um no if there's anything i would add though like i would definitely give um marley maitland a Mm -hmm. uh nomination and frankly i think i'd give amelia jones a nomination too Okay, here's my thing. I would give Amelia Jones a nomination. And she's not like, I I don't know that it's like, if I could pick anyone else to nominate um, over, you know, people who are in the category. I'm not sure that I would go like straight to Amelia Jones, but I do think that she would be like a decently worthy, um, a decently worthy like nominee especially like i know exactly who i would take out to put her in and it's nicole kidman um for yeah. what was that for being the ricardos yeah which um that terrible where thing. she was not being a ricardo at all she was being nicole kidman she was truly being nicole kidman in yet another wig um yeah but like i think that i mean for that matter you know sean header is not who i would like first jump to put into best director per se but i would gladly take out paul thomas anderson to put her in there um i honestly might even take out steven spielberg to put her in there um because i think that like she Mm. was doing really interesting work in terms of um how to portray like deaf actors on screen and and when to know when to use subtitles versus when we like don't get what they're saying versus when we have Amelia Jones translating for them and I think there's a lot of like clever moments with the use of that I would take out 1000 percent um because again the only of the best director nominations that I haven't seen was Drive My Car mm-hmm. um, yeah but I would take out um, Paul Thomas Anderson in a heartbeat. I would take right. out all of Licorice Pizza's nominations. Yep. If you want to talk about beef? Um, <laughs> I'll take I'll take none Licorice Pizza with left beef. Um, that was good. That was the best joke I've ever made. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> thank you. I'll um, think about that one for days. Thank you. Um, but. That the thing is, like, listen, I don't love West Side Story. Um, never have. I don't like the musical. Um, outside of Sweeney Todd, I'm just generally not like the biggest Sondheim girly. Please don't freaking come for me. Um, yeah. but it's just like this thing where the way West Side Story is directed, though, is like that's the Spielberg we know and love. It's not in the failure. Yeah. That's <laughs> the Spielberg. Mm-hmm. The the transition to the dance at the gym is yeah. one, that is like yeah one that of the is best. nice that is so good 
um, when Tony, I won't say the actor's name, but when Tony mm-hmm. is singing Maria and he stands in that puddle and there's all those streetlights, I was like, good God, if that was a different person in focus, this would be the most beautiful shot ever committed to cinema. Um, <laughs> it's just like, I think West Side Story is Spielberg at his best. It's Spielberg that we know and love. And there are, and to the sum or to the same kind of credit I would give Coda in some ways, right? Like it's a, it's a sweeping big budget musical, but it's yeah. the more subtle. It's not like in Jurassic Park where he's directing a T-Rex, yeah. it's the more subtle. So I definitely would keep Spielberg. Um, mm-hmm. I would just, I would 100% ax um, Paul Thomas Anderson. I wouldn't get rid of your boy, Kenneth Branagh. Don't worry. Thank you. Um, I, I would, that. but I would 1 million percent, um, swap out uh paul thomas anderson for cn header yeah i um truly like this is such an interesting year of nominees for best picture and like looking at the nominations on the whole like and it's funny because i feel like with some of these movies i definitely had the thing of like certain films have aged better for me than others mm-hmm. um like Belfast and Dune I I loved as soon as I saw them I love them still um I still I mean god what films I can't wait for Dune part two um and Coda like I still think is a good film I thought it was a good film then honestly I am controversial with this year of nominees because I am a don't look up defender um I oh, thought it was no. hilarious I don't love all of it, but it is the most I have loved Leonardo DiCaprio in a long time. That is fair. Yeah, I think Leonardo DiCaprio in it is great. I think it was a really nice comeback role for Jennifer Lawrence. I agree. Um, I think that Timothy Chalamet is hilarious in it. Um, Another film where I'm just like, you know, God, I love Rob Morgan. I think that Meryl Streep is really funny in it. Uh, um jonah hill is the one person in this that i will not be defending i don't uh, take <laughs> issue with like the performances and don't look up i just don't look up is one of those movies for me where i feel like it says a lot without saying anything it's like no oh, i get it like all our priorities in america are wrong and like yes climate change is going to kill us all i've now switched um to uh shampoo bars and conditioner and reusable paper towels because i had severe anxiety over the planet recently so like i get it um it's just yeah. i was like okay and like you know what I mean? Which, and I guess that's my thing is that, like, I, obviously, it's trying to make all these statements about, like, you know, climate change and, and all that stuff. But, like, I just see it, I just think it's really funny, like, as a comedy. Um, And I know that that's funny because I literally recently, like, criticized Crash for, like, not saying anything. But my other thing with Crash was, like, you're not saying anything and also you're boring. Like, yeah. <laughs> whereas... I had a very enjoyable time watching Don't Look Up. Um, not that I think it's perfect, but I also was lower on most of the Best Picture nominees that year. Like, I like the performances in West Side Story, but there's nothing you can do to make me like West Side Story, I don't think. Um, even putting my beloved daughter, Rachel Zegler, in it. Um, Nightmare Alley is one that has grown on me, though. I'll tell you Nightmare that. Nightmare Alley like, grew on me. I didn't really okay. like it the first time I watched it. And we all know, like, I'm not a huge Guillermo yep. Toro girly, but I've grown to really like that one. Same. It's, like, it's uh, so long, though. It's so it is long. so long. And it feels frankly, like three different movies in one movie. Yeah. And my thing is, like, my thing with Nightmare Alley is that I really love the beginning section. Like, the whole bit yeah, at the I'm carnival. Bad. 
like I but I also like that is an aesthetic that I just really like like I am also low-key a love never dies defender um because that whole aesthetic of like the Coney Island turn of the century carnival works for me okay like, it but is the story doesn't thing I mean no but I also like, never enjoyed dies. Here's my thing. I also enjoyed Cursed Child whenever I saw it on, Bro- or on the West End. Like, that story makes literally no sense, but it's a great production. Um, but so, like, that whole carnival section so worked for me. And then once we got, like, out of it, I was like, I am bored to tears. Um, See, I was the opposite. I was bored to tears during the carnival, but really enjoyed, like, the his little career as an illusionist. Oh, see, I also do think that, like, I'm so sorry to all listening who will hear this, but, like, I'm not a Bradley Cooper girly um, in any way, shape, or form. And I also don't like Rudy Mara. So once I'm it got more a fan focused of... around them, I was like, I need to get out of here. I'm not a fan <laughs> of Bradley Cooper or Rudy Mara either. However, if we're talking Best Picture nominations from 2021 that um, had Bradley Cooper in it, Nightmare Alley was the least offensive for me. I mean, yeah. This I will say also... This is an opportunity to talk about how much I hated licorice pizza. Oh, we're getting there. Worry not. I also love that beginning section because I freaking love Tony Collette. Um, yeah. Especially, really I love Tony Collette doing, like, humorous stuff. Yeah. Um, and I also... So good at Knives Out. As we all know, am a Willem Dafoe stan. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that man. <laughs> but yeah, so, like, Nightmare Alley, I do think, is the one that has, like, aged best in terms of like liking it better now than I did then I saw drive my car I was kind of neutral on drive my car like I thought it was good I thought it was well made I didn't love it as much as other people did power of the dog is one that has like aged poorly for me and that like when I first watched it and I did I will say like I watched it in a theater so I think that helped you but sure I was did. like in Charlotte, North Carolina you were the only one I there did I was the only one there thank you for that screening Netflix but like I watched it and I was like wow what a great film and then like within months I was like yeah that wasn't for me and I also just have discovered that like I also watched the piano and I just don't think Jane Campion is for me um yeah no yeah we are we're we love like, you Holly Hunter yeah but and you know power of the dog like i i was thrilled because i am a kirsten dunst girly and i really liked what she was doing i really liked what jesse plemons was doing but everything else has kind of soured for me um also king richard is one that soured for me i i never got on the king richard train really to begin with i mean i think for what king richard is like a sports but like it's not really about serena and venus right and the thing is i wanted it to be is my same problem and not in any sort of like ooh, it's it's you know unfeminist that it's not about them i was simply like no they are the more interesting part of the more interesting ones yeah i was like why are we not focusing it on the interesting part of this story right um and i think that's my thing is that i went in and i was like expecting to hate it and then when I didn't hate it, I was like, oh, that's great. You know, whatever. And then I was like, wait, no, just because I don't hate it doesn't mean that I love it. <laughs> like, right. Um, but just because sports films are like not my jam and this one is like not horrendous. Um, but I also, nothing is as bad as licorice pizza. Like licorice pizza. 
It like, like the ooh. only thing I like about licorice pizza is I do like that all the Heim sisters are like their real names. They are, yeah. Um, and it just that's what started my beef with Alana Heim, and now it's like an inside joke I have with myself for every time I see her. Even though I love the band Heim, like I do, yeah. Um, but every time I see Alana Heim, I'm like, you. I truly, it is the kind of movie that like when I watched it, I hated it, and now I hate it even more. I yeah. it gets it's, worse to I me with every day that passes. And the thing is, like, what irritates me is licorice pizza had a beautiful aesthetic. Like from an like a visual standpoint, it had a and the score um was um written for or written by um yeah Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead, one of my favorite bands of all time. And so it's like it irrit- it upset me to no end that like we got this radiohead inspired score with a great like 70s vibe and you know it, and it just like all they had to do was make this kid not a teenager like he could have been like 18 or 19 and it still wouldn't have been it still would have been a little icky but not on the level that it was or like make alana younger that's all they had to do and i would have thought it was a fine movie but it's just the fact that like i'm supposed to get behind this relationship i'm like uh-uh. okay truly like that's it for me and i also just like i found some of the middle section of it boring like i it think did that it, like it lags i think it meanders a little bit too much i think that there are parts of it that feel really disjointed i also do think that like i'm so sorry despite what some people have tried to say to defend it like i do think some of the asian stuff in it is racist it, yeah um like, maybe the intention wasn't that, but I think that, like, it is possible for your intentions to get lost in the filmmaking. Right. Um, I, like, I, I have so many issues. I don't love either of the main performances in it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so, like, for me, it was, like, I think even if you fixed the thing about it that truly holds me back, um, it would still, like probably be like a three-star movie for me but like a the age gap is so icky in it but b like even beyond just it being icky i find it very unbelievable that a woman her age would be that interested in specifically like that kid yeah like you know what i mean like you didn't have any real chemistry no there was no chemistry there was no like anything about him that i felt like oh, like, this is why he's so interesting that she would want to hang out with, even in, like, a friend way. So I truly, and also, like, you know, everything that you can baby try and give benefit of the doubt through the movie to is ruined by the ending. Yes. So, yeah. God, I so, forgot about the ending. And that's my thing. Like, you know, is Coda my favorite Best Picture winner of all time? No. Do I think it's a worthy winner? Yeah. And I also think it's exciting to see, A, like, a film that shows some sort of diversity that we don't often get in movies win. And B, like, I think it's fun to see a movie that's not your typical Oscar bait dramatic best picture winner win. Because I think that, like, there is something in and you know whenever we talk about best picture it's like okay well like what is best picture meant to mean is it meant to be what you think is like the best film of this year is it meant to be what you think is like um the most like technical achievement or the you know the biggest like 
film achievement in, in some way? Or like, is it supposed to be more of a like populist, like this is a film that a large number of people would agree on is a good film? Right. Like, and I think that Coda really fulfills that. Like, it is the kind of film that I feel like most people you show it to are at the very least going to make it through the movie. Right. My mom got, like, really um, annoyed, and, like, I do, too, of, like, the way that the family puts all that pressure on her. But something I, like, kind of had to remind my mom is, like, to some extent, even if, like, you know, people have household dynamics growing up where, like, Mm -hmm. it is that kind of pressure, but I think to some extent a lot of people can relate to that, right? Of Mm -hmm. there's this pressure to, like, look out for your family and, like, you are the one that gets all the responsibility. But at the same time, it's different when there's this added layer, right? Like, my mom got annoyed, or my mom or I or whoever gets annoyed by that, but, like, we can't necessarily relate to, like, what it's like to have to look after your family as the only able-bodied person in that kind of You know what I mean? And And we also, like, can't relate to what it's like to have to put that on a child because you know and and like not only are they you know dealing with this disability but they're also like dealing with financial issues that mean that they can't just you know hire someone else to be their translator right and I also do like that the fact that or you know like you said it's a compassionate take of a family that's struggling financially but the struggle is because of the fishing business, not because they're mm-hmm. deaf. You know yeah. what I mean? And I appreciated that where it's like, it's not, you know, the kind of the complicated dynamics between them and their daughter is kind of what drives where being deaf plays into their issues. But like, I like that outside of that, their issues aren't caused because they're deaf. If right. And even like a lot of the issues between them are not because they're deaf. It's because of it's things because like of the pressure they put on her. Well, that and, like, she's annoyed with how, like, you know, grossly in love they still are. Like, things like that. That where... scene where she has someone over and she hears them having sex and she has killed to, me. like, run in and flicker the lights. Like, I killed me. God, I've never, I thought I laughed so hard. You know what okay, I also laugh is when um they go to the doctor. And yes, that gets me every time. Jokic, and she's like, you got particles on your dick. When she's like, you can never have sex again. Never have <laughs> like, sex again. He's like, but look at your mother. <laughs> she's hot. I would want to like shove a fork through my eye if my father said that. But same, like, same. But and that's the thing, like that isn't an issue necessarily. Like that's not their deafness that's the issue there for her. It's that like they are so like into each other still, you know, like. And it's like it's the it's dynamics, and what I like about it is like it's dynamics that like a lot of families face you know what I mean it's just there's this one additional layer kind of put into it yeah exactly so I think that it's like a very worthy best picture win even though it's like not what I would have voted for personally um we all know that my vote would have gone to Belfast but I do think that like it is a like worthy addition to the list of best picture winners and and I think that it's one that will probably age well and that a lot of people you know I can definitely see we're on a preferential ballot this one because I can see it definitely being like in sort of the the high middle range of a lot of ballots and not in the last slot on a lot of ballots I like and I don't I don't mean this as an insult and it might sound like it at first (laughs) but like it's a safe bet right yeah Mm -hmm. like it's the safe choice and there's nothing wrong with that it's a perfectly good movie it's just like and I, I don't know I like how in their last five years right we have 
I guess five years ago would have been 2018 where we got Green Book. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, you got, um, oh gosh, now I'm blanking, Parasite, um, mm-hmm. Coda, Everything Everywhere. Um, and Nomadland. Nomadland. It's like, it's a good variety in the last five years in terms right. of like, you know, you look at something like Everything Everywhere, that's like, was it necessarily my favorite of the best picture nominees this year? No, but like, it's like what you were saying where I can at least respect it as a best picture winner because mm-hmm. it's a thing, right? Where like, I always say all the time, like, I hate, I hate to bring Geppetto into this though. You know, I always will. We're like, <laughs> we're fine. I won't even say Geppetto, like Twilight New Moon, right? Like that's a movie people know I love and people will be like, that's not a good movie. And I'm like, I didn't say it was good. I said, I liked it. <laughs> like it's, you know, where it's this thing where you can yeah. acknowledge that, your personal preference over something doesn't necessarily make it the best and it's like what you said it just it depends on what your definition of best is and so I look at something like everything everywhere where like it wasn't necessarily my favorite of the best picture nominations but I can acknowledge like it should it's worthy of best because it is so Mm -hmm. original and has you know so many different um, moving pieces to it with editing and directing and the you know I like I can respect it so it's you know it's the Vanessa Hutchins theory of I get it I respect it um <laughs> how I feel about um it's how I feel about this it's how I feel about everything everywhere where it's like I like that there's a variety of there's there was clearly a def- different definition each year of what best meant um yeah. and so yeah I definitely I again I personally would have given it to Belfast. I also, if we want to go on a whole nother side tangent, we'll go on for days and days and days about how Cyrano deserved a Best Picture nomination. Yes. Over multiple films, I would think, in the um, Best Picture nominations. Um, but if I had to ax one, it would immediately be um, uh, Licorice Pizza. Right. And, Which is, um, this is such a swap from like our last episode where it's like, if I had to ask one, it would immediately be Crash. Right. <laughs> like, that's the thing is, I yeah. would not, if I had to ask one of the best picture nominations, Coda, Coda's staying. Like, like I wouldn't even consider axing. Uh, no, like, I'd be like, all right, I would, no, looking at the best picture nominations, like, I would cut, obviously, a licorice pizza first. I would cut even, I think, King Richard before. Yeah. Same. Um, even going near Coda. Um, yeah. And so it's it is a weird contrast uh compared to last week where we were like <laughs> bye crash yeah you're gone um and I definitely think that like you said I think Coda is going to age well I think mm-hmm. in the sense that you know it's nothing in terms of technicality or even really storytelling like it's nothing to write home yeah. about it's not like oh my god this life-changing thing like that's what everything everywhere has got going for it right is it's such a mm-hmm. like outlandish original story and coda doesn't even have that but like it's and again i'm not this isn't a this isn't an insult it's just it's simple and but like simple but well done and so i'm yeah. not i'm not mad at it um i and like you said i i was very much on the power of the dog train during that Oscar campaign, mostly yeah. because I just seen uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and my Benedict Cumberbatch phase had been <laughs> revived. And yeah. I really wanted to see him win an Oscar. Um, but I re-watched that movie, not recently, but last year. And I was like, oh, no, I don't like this. <laughs> like, I actually don't like this. Um, I don't either. I respect, I think it's a visually stunning film. That's actually I, res- I can respect the like elements of it separately 
Yeah. Like I the score is great. The cinematography is great. Like um even the editing I think is really nice in it. Mm-hmm. Like the the costume design, production design, whatever. I think that there's like some really good performances in it. I think there's some where I'm like even like I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch is doing a bad performance, but I do think it's a fairly like one note performance because yeah. of how the character is written. Right. Like, like I don't it's think it's not a, Yeah, exactly. And so like but the story just does not work for me and especially like having I've not read the book but I've read stuff about the book and I think like part of it is the way that it was adapted makes it not work for me yeah so yeah I agree so what would you give Coda for a letter grade a minus okay yeah I'm sitting at like b plus territory yeah right um and I would, if, as far as it being like a great, fine, bad, best picture win, I. It's weird because I can't say great, but I also can't say fine. Same. I feel like I I'm would sitting say somewhere good. in between. It's a like, good great and fine. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's not like I wouldn't put it in, you know, like this is one of the best, best picture winners of all time type of things. Um, and I wouldn't even say it's necessarily as great a win as Everything Everywhere All at Once, even though I like the films about the same um, because of, like, everything that that one meant for representation and, like, you know, these actors who don't get these roles and and the type of storytelling that it's doing and the Oscars taking a risk on something that's sort of weird and out there and all of that. But I do think, like, it's better than fine. Like, I think it's a good win. Um Definitely not bad. <laughs> Definitely not bad. Crash, Definitely here's looking crash. at you. Yeah. <laughs> so if we were to, um, I feel like this is going to get like convoluted the further we go along with this, but from but right now where we only have three, yes. where would you rank the best picture movies that we've covered so far? Okay, so I actually started a list on Letterboxd and I have it private for now so that like, people can't see it before we're like done with the episodes um ranking what we've watched and I'm gonna try and like keep it going as we watch them and not put things on before like I rewatch them and everything um because I was like it's gonna get convoluted I need a list to keep it straight but I would put like everything everywhere all at once at number one coda at number two and crash at number three yeah I think I'd do the same yeah, if we're talking, like, in terms of what I think are the best, best picture wins, because I actually might like Coda a smidge more than Everything Everywhere All at Once, but, like, as a best picture, I think yeah. Everything Everywhere is, like, a really great winner, so. I agree. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get into, like, some films that I've not seen that have good reputations. yeah. Because I like the one thus far that we've done that I'd not seen was Crash. It's terrible. Like, so I'm looking forward to finding some new films that I like um, coming up in the next episodes, hopefully, instead of just, you know, talking about a terrible film and then two films that I knew were good. (laughs) Right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Thank you for joining us again for another <laughs> episode of Best Picture Rewind. Um, Nicole, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, I am basically everywhere on social media as at Nicole Ackman 16. 
Amazing. Um, I am on Instagram and Twitter at at Lexwilly underscore. I'm not verified, but apparently if I was, I'd still have my blue check today. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm also on TikTok at at Lexi for as long as it's around. Um, yeah. But thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.